Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. A couple of words of introduction before I read the Scripture today. First, a reminder that we are inside a seven-week series uh, listening to the stories of Acts and the formation of the church. We're we're watching the earliest Jesus followers try to figure out uh, how it is that they're going to organize their witness and become the church. And and we take some comfort in it because it's full of stories of start and stumble and church fights and misunderstanding and who to include and what's our mission statement and our organizing principles, all of the stuff we're familiar with. So I guess we take a little comfort in their stumbling, but but more than that, we, we get to see how many times... Because of the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they get it right. Their principles, their values endure, and these have shaped the church ever since. So, in, in the way, as, like in this country, the way we think about the Constitution as a kind of place to return to get back to the core values, in the church, we look to Acts. We, we go back and look at their core values, the the founding principles of our life together. So, we're here today in chapter 4. Now, the preaching during this series is not sequential. My my first sermon was from chapter 4. I think my last sermon will be from chapter 2. But today's scripture that I'm about to read does follow after last week's story. Remember last Sunday there was a lame man healed at the beautiful gate. It drew quite a crowd. Peter preached. And then we left off the reading. But here's what's happened in between. When, when Peter preached and it caused this big ado, Peter and John ended up getting thrown in prison over it. They'd stirred up a bunch of trouble. So today's reading is what's next. It's it's the next morning after they were thrown in jail. It's the pretrial hearing related to the havoc these two have created within the temple community. So here we are, chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and Elders, if we're questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel 
This man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Well, I'm going to let you all in behind the curtain a moment of preacher talk. So every now and then the pastors get together. I'm I'm meeting with two of my buddies this Tuesday night for dinner. And mostly what we do is we found a safe place to talk about you, really, is what we do. But, but one of the themes that keeps coming up over and over and over when the pastors gaggle with each other are weddings and funerals. It's the source of our best stories, and most of them we can't tell in church, so we can just tell them to each other. First of all, weddings and funerals are the place where all of the hidden family drama can't be hidden anymore because they're all there. The crazy uncle is going to show up. So is daddy's new wife. So all of these events are just fraught with danger. Then in both cases, everybody has become a professional event planner. I will save my Pinterest rant for another time. But everybody has an idea about how a wedding or funeral should be conducted. And we're not getting a lot of help from the funeral homes. Have y'all seen the commercial? It's not on much anymore, but it used to be on a lot, where the guy drives a motorcycle into the chapel of the funeral home. And the implication there is... If the deceased was in the motorcycles and you want to have a funeral with a motorcycle all up around the casket, whatever. We'll do it. Whatever. So in some cases, the funeral business have become party planners. We're just here to do what you want. Well, as you might imagine, some people have now brought those expectations into the church and this sanctuary and, and so, I end up being the one who has to play the heavy around all of the suggestions of what they want to do in their service. I'm the one who has to say, no, I'm sorry, one of the bridesmaids can't sing your favorite Shania Twain song in the service. <laughs> no, we cannot recess the funeral to the Georgia fight song. I'm sorry, I know that that you saw this done at your roommate's brother's funeral, but we're not going to do it in the sanctuary of Second Ponds. In some cases, folks get fed up with me and move the funeral to a funeral home so they can set up daddy's gun collection and deer heads up next to the casket or whatever. Well, the sanctuary is a holy place. We hold worship services here. Weddings are worship services. Funerals are worship services. You can sing Danny Boy at the reception. But we're not doing it between the invocation and benediction. 
So it's, it's become my job to become the one who preserves the sacred components of our worship tradition, and it's not always welcome. And so, I enter into this text, I give you that background to tell you that I'm entering into this text with a great deal of sympathy toward the religious leaders in today's story. Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all were, who were of the high priestly family. Because they are the ones who have the responsibility to be keepers of the sacred traditions of the faith. And the stability of the temple is being threatened by a fringe group within Judaism who are insisting that a carpenter's son from Nazareth is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. And now they're becoming anything but a fringe group. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 joined their movement. Then yesterday... A man who'd been lame since birth is healed at the beautiful gate. These two men claim that he had been healed by the power of the name of Jesus. A crowd gathers, Peter preaches again, and 5,000 more people come to be followers of the way, as they called themselves then. So Peter and John placed in prison until the religious figures, the 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 keepers of the tradition can figure out how to respond to these threats that are happening inside the temple community. Remember, I mentioned this last week, that this isn't a standoff between Christianity and Judaism. Christianity as a religion doesn't exist yet. This, this is all happening within the family. They're all Jews. And they're brought into this circle of Jewish leaders to account for the havoc that they've been creating. So so picture a kind of semicircle, long robes, long beards, crossed arms. By what power or what name did you do this? And don't Don't miss the way the question is framed. This is about power. Well, one thing we've learned about Peter is anytime he thinks there's a congregation gathered, he's going to preach, right? Now, gaggle of temple leaders isn't a big congregation, but it's big enough. He'll preach anyway. So Peter lets go and says, rulers of the people and elders, if we're questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick, You ask how this man's been healed, let it be known to all of you and the people of Israel, this man is standing before you in good health in the name of Jesus Christ. Once again, Peter declares that he and John are not the ones who've healed. Jesus is the one who is breaking through with this new expression of God's love and salvation. Yep. Peter and John are not anti-temple, so catch that. they're, They're not part of the spiritual but not religious crowd. These are faithful, institutional supporting Jews. 
Remember yesterday's miracle, the healing of the man lame, happened when they were on their way to the temple. These are the faithful temple goers. In fact, Acts chapter 2, talking about the habits of these early Christ followers, said day by day as they spent much time together in the temple. You see, these, these folks are not standing outside of the temple and its leadership. They're standing inside saying, God is doing a new thing. The Holy Spirit is blowing fresh winds in here. God raised Jesus from the dead. Messiah is with us. Salvation has come for all. And the temple leaders, you remember, I'm sympathetic. They're good people, faithful servants of God, preservers of the sacred tradition. But there's this new thing that's happening inside the tradition. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead carpenter's son was raised by the power of God. Liberation has come to all people. There is something new and wonderful happening inside the tradition. And the temple leaders ask, by what power? But they know something's up. Because everywhere they look, they see this power that they're questioning. And they see that it's turned loose all over the place. 3,000 believers. Lame man dancing in the temple courtyard. Another 5,000 believers. The power of what God is doing is so evident. But it is a challenge to the institution. To their credit, when Peter preached, they finally did uncross their arms. We didn't read this part of the story, but later in the story, they let Peter and John go, no charges. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they let him go. But you see the tension. We've got this challenge to the institution but a man has been healed. What, what do we do? Well, today, in Atlanta, you know that young people are staying away from the church in droves. In too many instances, the church of Jesus Christ that started in this fire of Pentecost in this bold confrontation to power, in this insistence that people get healed in Jesus' name, somehow some of the fire has gone and some people have started to rule us us, irrelevant. We're being accused of living for institutional preservation rather than 
healing those at the temple gate, shootings and race riots and capital mob, a larger culture is wondering why the church isn't leading. This past Monday, our deacons affirmed a statement that Second Postelian Baptist Church continue and expand the altogether ministry of our church as a way of, and I'm quoting here from the motion, expanding our church's legacy of making Christ known to current and future generations as a welcoming and engaged community of faith, making disciples of all nations. In other words, we are more committed than ever that Second Ponce be a leading voice in racial reconciliation in our city. We're poised for this work, to be agents of healing in this important conversation in Atlanta. But let's not be naive. When a lame man walks, the institution is challenged. When God's Spirit blows in new directions, it challenges the institution. I have a book in my library that tells the story of Mercer University's uh, integration in the 19, late 50s, I think. Anyway, Mercer was the first private school in the South to voluntarily integrate. An African convert by the name of Sam Oney came as a freshman to Mercer. He had come to know Christ because of the efforts of Baptist missionaries in his country. He enrolled in Mercer, first person of color, and then on a Sunday he got dressed up and went to the nearest Baptist church, and he was not admitted for worship. In the book that I mentioned, there's a picture of him dressed, standing on the steps, two white deacons at the door, defiant. He was not welcome. They were preserving the institution. By the way, it probably goes without saying, but both of the deacons were male, uh, you know, institutional preservation and all that. But the Holy Spirit is unruly. And in the name of Jesus, the lame are made to walk. Now, you know that Second Ponce is not unblemished here either. We have some shameful chapters of institutional preservation mixed in with our most noble chapters. But going forward, how do we open up the windows of the church in such a way that it allows for God's Spirit to blow in and push us into new directions of God's moving? How do we honor our past and not be constrained by it? By the way, I'm still not letting you bring a Rod Stewart CD for your wedding. 
But where do we need to be listening and moving in new directions because God's Spirit is doing a new thing? As I said, when Peter preached that day, the the leaders of the temple were just kind of left flat-footed. I mean, they, they couldn't argue. There's a man standing there who just days before had twisted, crippled feet. And then yesterday, by the power of Jesus' name, he danced. And the leaders let Peter and John go. But I also didn't read this part either. They said, as they let him go, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We can't deny it. But then the institutional part of them kicked in and they ordered Peter and John not to speak of it. You know, it's, it stirs up trouble, you know. You see, we, we see a, a man got set free, but shh, let's not, let's not tell him. And Peter and John said, We cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. Once we know where Jesus is heading, making the lame walk, liberating the oppressed, healing the blind, binding evil spirits, awakening the divine image in all of humanity, once we know where Jesus' love is taking us, we can't not talk about what we've seen and heard. It it might challenge the institution. But if we know where Jesus is heading, then we've got to go out and speak in the name of Jesus so that the broken might be healed in his name. Thanks be to God. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.